Hello everyone, it's your host Brian Sonnenstein back with another episode of Beyond Prisons. At the end of last year, Kim and I had the chance to catch up with three members of the Certain Days Collective, Daniel McGowan, Josh Davidson, and Sarah Falconer. The group publishes the Certain Days Freedom for Political Prisoners calendar now in its 19th year of publication and filled with radical historical dates, 12 thought-provoking articles, and beautiful artwork for each month throughout the year. All proceeds from the calendar support prisoners and grassroots organizations, and I urge you to visit certaindays.org to obtain copies of their beautiful 2020 edition, the theme of which is Knitting Together the Struggles. The five of us discuss the artwork and articles that make up the calendar, as well as the difficult but extensive and necessary collaboration with incarcerated people throughout the year to produce it. We also touch on subjects such as the importance of charting radical history, prisoners' relationship to time, and the value of having such beautiful and thought-provoking calendars available to people on the inside. Daniel McGowan is a former political prisoner and former member of the Earth Liberation Front, He has been involved with political prisoner support for most of his activist life and is currently a member of the Certain Days Collective. Josh has been an activist for two decades now, focusing on prisoner support and the abolition of the carceral state. He is actively working to start a Books Through Bars program in Baltimore, Maryland, where he also works on community organizing against police brutality. And Sarah Falconer has been working to raise the voices of prisoners for over 18 years collaborating on projects such as ForStruggleMag.org, a zine by and for prisoners in addition to the Certain Days Collective. She's also a member of the Barton Prisoner Solidarity Project in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. We'll have all the information you need to follow these folks, buy the calendar, and more in the episode notes. If you enjoy Beyond Prisons, please rate, review, and subscribe to our show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also find us on Facebook and on Twitter at beyond underscore prisons. And please tell your friends, family, and comrades about the show. And last but not least, this show is funded entirely by listeners like you. So if you have a few bucks to spare, please join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash beyondprisons. And we'll send you a gift featuring Kim's beautiful artwork as a show of our appreciation. All right, here's our interview with Daniel, Josh, and Sarah of the Certain Days Collective. Thanks for listening and for supporting the show. All right, so thank you all for joining us today. I'm really looking forward to talking to you. Um, I was wondering, you know, there's there's probably some people who are listening who maybe are not familiar with the Certain Days calendar, the Certain Days Collective. So I was wondering if you could just, if we could start out by just um, having one of you talk about what the calendar is and how and when it the project began. So the Certain Days Freedom for Political Prisoners calendar is a project that we've been doing for almost 20 years now. It's a joint project between uh, outside participants in New York, Baltimore, Montreal, and Hamilton, Ontario, uh, as well as uh, prisoners in the United States. Uh, We do different themes every year that are focused on social justice issues and prison-related issues. We have 12 pieces of art and 12 articles that are submitted by people both inside and outside. And it's a fundraiser for different grassroots groups. So uh, we get support from all around the world uh, every year for for the work that the calendar is doing. And then people can also use it as a fundraiser for their own work. Fantastic. Um, Thank you for that. So why is charting radical history on a calendar important to you and to the movement writ large? 
I mean, one of the things that I love about it is that it makes it visible for you every day. Um, every single day in the calendar has different struggles, uh, different dates to, to be remembered and, um, you know, just a reason to be inspired. It might be a quote from a prisoner. It might be a piece of art from somebody uh, who has been impacted by prison. It might be um, something from uh, the civil rights movement or um, from the environmental struggles, you know, um, across North America and around the world. And so to just have that physical presence up on your wall every day, um, I just find it so impactful. And it's a way for people to um, bring those voices, not just into, you know, the kind of solo, uh, siloed work that can happen around prison organizing, but into their everyday work and lives. Um, I, I think it's really important to um, to have this historical perspective, like like Sarah was saying. Um, I'm always fascinated by, you know, as a person that joined the collective about six years ago, uh, I wasn't around for a lot of the creation of the different dates. Um, and so, like today, for instance, was a really good one. Um, and and Josh does a lot of our uh, dates for social media. Today is the 50th anniversary of the occupation of Alcatraz Island which I think is a really a great one. And then also, uh, it's the one year anniversary of the death of um, our comrade Mujahid Fareed, um, who's the founder of the Release Aging People in Prison program in, um, in New York. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I was looking at that today and I saw that, that rap sent out a, um, rap sent out an email, you know, just detailing their current work and connecting it to Fareed's death last year. And it was really, um, I just thought really, it, it helps me reflect. And also I, I think for someone you know, I'm, a, I'm a, in my mid-40s, and uh, I think one, one of the things that used to hit me when I was younger was this idea that I'm, like, re, you know, inventing the wheel. And I think we all, you know, sometimes run into to newer political folks. You know, you, you sometimes we hear things where people are, are you know, putting forth that belief, you know, that belief of, like, you know, they're, they're feeling it for the first time. They're the first people that ever dealt with these, that struggle, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And I think that in, the inclusion of these radical dates is a really good reminder that the, the struggle against oppression is, um, you know, hundreds of years long or, or longer and, and that it, it kind of situates our, our action and our, um, you know, the repression that comes from action um, in a, into a continuum uh, that feels like, you know, it, for me, it, it promotes a sense of belonging. Um, like Sarah said, I'm, I'm not involved in, you know, all movements. I don't think anyone is, but um, I always find it really fascinating to read about, about um, these dates in the calendar. And then the other thing is that these, these calendars are often bright spots in people's prison cells. Um, we definitely hear a lot of feedback from people where they talk about like the only thing they had was the calendar. Um, and between the, you know, the beautiful art and the, the dates, uh, the inspirational, you know, radical dates, it's, uh, you know, is it color in an otherwise bleak world? Yeah. Yeah, I know that's uh, something uh, m both of my sons received calendars from uh, from y'all and they were so excited when they got them. I mean, they were absolutely thrilled. They were like, mom, did you send me the calendar? I'm like, I should have, but I didn't. And they, <laughs> they were so excited to get them and open them up and, you know, uh, started reading through them. So I, I very much appreciate that. And I know that they do too. And um, yeah, so thank you for that. That is amazing. I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah, yeah that's great. Of course. Yeah, I love mine. I have, I got one from last year. Um, I, I think the theme is healthcare, right? And I, 
what I really like about the calendar, in addition to the way that it sort of makes, you know, these dates in history and, and sort of this like this uh, this long line of history come alive because you can sort of like feel, you know, the time in which these things are happening, the time of year and things like that. Um, it, it is like pretty much the only calendar that I've come across that's also accompanied by articles and writing. And, you know, uh, in it, the calendar sort of bookended in the front and the back by um, articles that uh, have themes, you know, by month and so on and so forth. So I was wondering if you could talk a little bit more about sort of the literature, the literature that's attached in there um, and sort of, you know, where you come up with the ideas for it and, and how you execute that. Um, well, it, it, it's a long process and it begins um, even before the, you know, the, the new year takes place. Uh, we, we initially try to think of a theme and we get the input of not only you know our core outside collective but especially our inside political prisoner members and once we come up with a theme uh we, we usually send out a i'm sorry we send out um a call out to prisoners and worldwide seeking essays seeking artwork um on that theme and it's always our goal to get work by political prisoners by prisoners in general uh, but we're we're blessed to get amazing artwork from different movements, from different people across the globe every year. I would say it's a very collaborative process as well. It's wonderful the way that, um, you know, the, the themes develop over time. We will sometimes be talking about a topic for a few years before it turns out. Like the healthcare one, for example, is a, a great a great one that we talked about off and on and probably had some related topics for a while. And then we realized... Um, you know, that it was something we really wanted to focus on that brought together a whole bunch of different things that we were passionate about. And so, um, you know, it, uh, it's from the visits that we do uh, with our prison uh, editors and with others. It's from suggestions we get from supporters, you know, like you that have picked up the calendar and have ideas. Uh, it's from things that are happening in the world. We sometimes have had a theme and then changed it because, you know, there were things that seemed quite urgent at the time. Uh, so, uh, it's really just this this wonderful ongoing process. And Josh is right; it is a pretty constant process. We start um, working on our themes uh, already, basically at this time of year, and then by early in the new year, we're we're working on the next one. We we always joke that like everybody always says it takes them a while to catch up on writing the proper calendar date down. You know, if you're moving into 2020, we've been writing 2020 for the past eight months. So. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is definitely something that's exhausted. I, I had here in my notes that we're on a nine month cycle, but I think it's really more like it feels more like 11. Um, there is like a, a, a lull at one point in the deep winter where we like take a breath for, you know, we're not like constantly on top of everything. And it mm -hmm. is so short. It is it is like a moment before we are even like, hey, is anyone going to make the the wiki the wiki page for next year? And we're like and I'm always like next year. You know, I'm like constantly <laughs> and screaming because I do a lot of distribution. So I'm like, but we have X number of calendars left. How could we be talking about next year? But of course, that's that's the reality. Mm -hmm. um, you know this from your your loved ones in prison too. You know that communication takes a long time. We're doing it across international borders on top of everything else. So you know, uh, it's you know all the regular things that go along with a production schedule plus the distance and the the just general pain in the ass of prison communication. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
we basically set up a situation that's like, how can we create a, a number of like really tough logistical barriers in one organization? And so we have a situation where, uh, you know, for instance, uh, I'm a felon. I can't go to Canada. Um, you know, I we can visit the people in prison, but like they're quite far from all of us. And so we just exist in like the video, you know, call world and a tremendous amount of email. We have a Crabgrass account that we use a lot, but it's it's a remarkable amount of digital communication and the logistics. Like, you know, when we're talking about themes with our people inside, that is such a intense process that it really does require us to start in March uh, just mm-hmm. to get things out. But something you said before, Brian, really made me laugh. Um, I always, you know, I, I've known about the calendar since shortly after its creation. And uh, Sarah and I met randomly in, in like 2003, I believe. But um, I didn't really get involved for a few years. And, you know, part of me used to think, uh, you know, calendars are, they're cool. But, you know, like, I don't know, it seemed like a very tepid thing, or a very like mild thing. But the truth is that I think our calendar, it, it's sort of a publication and I mean, it's hard it's hard to know what to call it but there is such a large amount of it that is not the calendar right um, like you said it, it's it is like we have sections in it where we have our introductory essay we have information on the beneficiaries we have um, a book list a website list we have you know a page and a half of definitions regarding the prison struggle um, and then we you know we get kind of robust articles that are all original and, and art, and then we have, you know, bios and information. Um, so it always ends up being, for me, feels really sneaky. Like this idea that we're just, oh, or it's just a calendar. Like I've literally heard people say many times, it's just a calendar. Like when I express how, how often we get them returned for whatever reason. And I'm always like, yeah, but you know, if they're looking at what we're actually printing, then this is this is why these, these morons that, um, you know, operate the mail rooms are threatened by it because they see, you know, the right. messages and the, that we have, you know, and are clearly threatened. The, the idea that a prisoner, person in prison, should read whatever the hell they want, you know, to me is like a no-brainer. But for the person that's opening your mail, is, is something that I battled with for seven years. Um, you know, with tremendous amounts of mail rejection. So I, I like, I think of it as a little bit of a Trojan horse. We have like a nice, um, for sure, you know, nice image on the cover, and inside is, you know, radical ideas, which I think are, are necessary in that homogenous, you know atmosphere yeah absolutely absolutely i'm looking at the um images from the 2019 calendar now and uh i mean they're just they're just gorgeous um and stunning it absolutely stunning i mean uh they're all beautiful the one that stood out to me was um let sex workers sex trafficking survivors um, live and you know it just uh, it, the image is it's just it's just beautiful. Um, the colors are just so vibrant and and they you know they they get you um, and <laughs> it's like I, I usually have a much more robust vocabulary than I you know uh, <laughs> right now. But um, yeah. yeah. Well, you were just talking about beauty and it struck me, you know, uh, Daniel said it too. It's, it's this color, it's this ability to bring some kind of joy and resistance inside in a way that's usually a bit hard to do. Um, I happened to listen to a, a, an episode that you guys did recently that was around knitting, uh, probably because mm-hmm. I had knitting on the brain with our theme this year. <laughs> um, but the, 
the conversation that you had there was so striking to me too about the the ability to bring color the ability to bring expression and art and not even necessarily talk about prison you know we have prisoners that are talking about issues that are happening around the world you know global struggles healthcare um you know the resistance movements and, and environmentalism and all these things that are happening uh, to to be able to bring that across those walls and to bring that like brightness to everybody's lives every day I think that's you know that's what keeps us passionate about it for sure and so it makes me so happy to hear you you know find it hard to find the words absolutely <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I, mean, I it's, think it's also sorry sorry I, I think it's also important to point out that 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 beauty and, and that you know the artwork that's a lot of a lot of what uh you know what we're trying to publish is coming from inside it's coming from such a dark place and such a you know a place of repression but but you know people are able to bring out so much beauty um not only in the art but in the essays as well absolutely absolutely i mean it's something uh that i talk about often uh i know that for me as an artist um, as well, it just art has been a lifesaver. So not just creating art, but also, you know, looking at other people's art. And I get art from both of my sons as well, um, you know, throughout the year. My youngest son is a prolific artist. And uh, every time I, you know, open a letter and I see that he's drawn something, it's just so like, I'm, I'm always absolutely moved because, you know, in the midst of all of the bullshit that's happening in the midst of, you know, yeah, being incarcerated and, you know, dealing with everything that he has to deal with on a daily basis, he is constantly resisting that by creating, you know, and by making images. And, you know, I think that that's what's powerful about you know, the calendar is that people see that and, you know, it is a daily reminder and you add all of the other things that you mentioned earlier in the calendar so that, you know, it's, it's, it's a calendar, but, and you've said this already, um, it's also more than a calendar. So it's, you know, it's a political education tool. Um, It's a reference, it's uh, history, it's a lot of things. Uh, And yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to pivot here because uh, we had another question and I think it's an important one. Um, time is a subject that we've touched on on the show before uh, and how it takes on extra weight when we're talking about time for people who are incarcerated. So can you talk a little bit about the significance of creating a calendar for people on the inside? I think the the concept of time is uh, actually one of the things that, you know, sort of uh, we grapple with with the calendar. Um, many of the dates that we share are inspiring, um, you know, uh, resistance sort of milestones, uh, things that we can look to every year and be excited about. Some of the dates are people being released, you know, many of them after decades and decades in prison. I mean, uh, many of the prisoners that, that we've worked with over the years have served uh, unconscionable amounts of time in jails and prisons. So um, I think uh, to be able to sort of like see the milestones that are positive and see the ones um, that, you know, are 
are so negative that they drive us to to build a better world and to consider what we can do um you know i think is super important as well just to add to that i, I uh, you know with um people inside and, and time we're spending an alarming amount of time right now sending just the artwork and just the articles into people uh who when we sent the calendar it was rejected because it was a calendar because it reflected time and, and mm-hmm. things like that so. mm-hmm. essentially we're getting rejections often in the federal system for just the fact that um, it's a calendar and they can purchase their calendar from the commissary often when that happens i look on the commissary on the bop website and it's like the, their prison doesn't even have a calendar so, you know, it's great. Yeah, you can make your own calendar. I, I often had things destroyed when I was in transit. You know, you make your own calendar. But still, like, there's there's no replacement for some, you know, what we're sending in. So, like Josh said, we're getting rejections and we're sending back, you know, we're essentially, you know, in some level complying with the, you know, with the, um, we're essentially complying with the censorship by sending back, like, a, a slightly edited version. Mm-hmm. That essentially just ends up being the art and the articles and no actual calendar days. So it's like, it's not really a calendar if you do that. And so I feel like we're getting around it, or at least we're hoping we are. A lot of these went out in the last couple of weeks, but, um, you know, it doesn't feel good. And the increasing, you know, rejections on the federal level are, are, are you know, very frustrating. But in terms of time, though, what Sarah was saying, um, it's really kind of shocking Um there's lots of different ways to look at this, but like like Sarah mentioned, you know, our two inside editors right now are doing a tremendous amount of time. Uh, David Gilbert is a New York State political prisoner who's been in prison since 1981. He technically has a 75 to 75 years to life sentence, meaning he wouldn't be eligible for parole until 2056, which you know is absurd, and it, it's essentially based on the whim of the sentencing judge, who instead of giving him a twenty-five year to life, gave him a seventy-five year to life. Um, Zanachli uh, or Alvaro Hernandez is his state name, is doing a life sentence as well. And our previous two of our previous editors got out after doing um, forty-two and forty-five years. That's Herman Bell and Robert Seth Hayes. Mm-hmm. So it's like when we're talking about time, it's so. It's for me, I find it really daunting uh, mm-hmm. to conceive of this. I mean, I, you know, it's shocking to me that we got Herman and Seth out and I'm really happy about that. Uh, but, you know, we're, we're working with people and people are getting our calendars that are, are getting hit with a tremendous amount of time. And it's in service of this empire, which is, is just, you know, very disturbing. Um, so, yeah, that's always a bit of a uh, eye opener for me and a reminder. Um, you know, I did seven years in prison and that feels like, you know, a, a cakewalk in comparison to what we're talking about here. Um, not that it was, but that just in comparison, it's like hard to imagine being in prison for the length of my whole life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we tease each other about it a little bit, being these like elders in activism now that we're over 40. But, you know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, um, we're working with people who have been inside like since we were born or before then. I consider it a privilege in so many ways to be able to to work with people and to to interact with um, these like amazing minds who are from, you know, the civil rights movement and beyond, uh, who have sacrificed so much and have so much to give to our movement still every day. Their their insights on strategy, their 
just amazing spirits and what they bring to our movements all the time. Uh, you know, I, I feel so privileged, but I also feel super angry that I can't see them every day and that we can't be around them. And so, uh, yeah, it's a, the scale of things. This really keeps you grounded. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um, you know, on that note, I, I would love to hear more about, you know, if anyone wants to share about some of the folks inside that you're working with, the different ways that people on the inside contribute or go back and forth with you on the content. Um, you know, I, I would love to go a little bit deeper into that and hear, you know, how the inside members of the collective collaborate with you all and the kinds of things that they're doing. Let me add to that question, if I could, I, if you're willing to share the theme for this upcoming calendar as well, um, I wanted to ask you about that. Sure. Well, well, the current, you know, the 2020 calendar that is out now and will be out, you know, will be new or <laughs> in use in a few months is the theme is knitting together the struggles. Um, so it's about sort of intersectional Paul um, that we're stronger when we work together uh, or at least have uh, perspectives that value other people's struggles. Um, so yeah, it's a really good crop of artists and, and, uh, authors this year. I'll list a few of them. Um, Annie Banks, Eric McBay, who is a supporting member of our collective, uh, Christy Bellacourt, Cindy Milstein, David Gilbert, Eric King, Ethan X. Parker, Fernando Marti, uh, Garen Zakarian, Marius Mason, Mary Tremonte, Molly Fair, uh, No New Gels Campaign. Uh, Stephen Wilson, and there, there's a few more. I'm, I don't know the whole list. Uh, there's probably about six or seven of our contributors are uh, currently imprisoned in the U.S. prison system, um, scattering from the federal to New York to Pennsylvania um, systems. Um, I guess uh, just in terms of how people can get their hands on the calendar, uh, we are really good at distributing, although we, we definitely do sort of a DIY distribution model, uh, which just means we put a lot of work and grind on it. Um, our main distributor in the United States is Burning Books in Buffalo. They uh, do mail order, so you can get it from them at burningbooks.com. Um, our main Canadian distributor is Chris Blevadeb or Left Wing Books. And we have an international distributor for Europe and Asia um, called Active Distribution. Uh, you can also get it from AK Press, Just Seeds, and a number of other websites you can link to in um, off our site at certaindays.org. Um, we also do our best to get it in a bunch of stores. We usually get it into about 25 different stores on, in North America. And we also have a means by which people can buy copies for people in prison uh, for just $8. And we send it in with like a receipt and sort of uh, pay attention to all the different um, prison mail rules to try to maximize uh, the, the, our chances of getting it into people. Um, the other thing I'll say about distribution is that a lot of different groups use our counter as a fundraiser. Um, so we, uh, once you get 10 or more, the price of the counter drops to $10 and then you can buy, you know, you can buy 10 for a hundred and then sell them for $15 each. And then you would just keep the difference. Uh, so that that's basically, there's a lot of individuals, uh, different ABC groups and Jericho groups and info shops and various projects buy a lot. And sometimes they use it as like an incentive gift for like a crowdfunding campaign or things like that. So you can definitely get the, the bulk pricing through Burning Books. You, um, you, are, you asked a little bit too, and thank you, Daniel, that's so good. Um, you asked a little bit, I think, at the beginning of that question too, about sort of the process for how we get the word out to 
prisoners around the around the call out. Did I understand that right? Yeah, you know, I basically just wanted to hear, um, you know, not only just the process, but how you collaborate with people on the inside, what kind of roles they play in the formation of the calendar. Uh, you know, you mentioned you have those inside editors um, and you talked about some of the different people that work on the calendar with you. And I, I just wondered if there was anything else um, beside the editors that you wanted to go into. Um, sometimes it can be a, a long process with a, with some of the uh, contributors. We personally communicate with them um, through letters usually, which can be a very long process. Um, sometimes in cases like that, um, we'll work with the political prisoner or prisoner in general to make sure that their piece is, um, is compiled in a way that they like. It's not always, you know, just a, a straightforward essay for them. Sometimes it's, it's taken from different letters and things like that. Uh, but it really is on a case by case basis, um, especially with those on the, on the inside. We're super lucky too, in that we get to visit in person with our editors. You know, I'm much happier of to visit with them in person now that a couple of them are outside. And that's been absolutely wonderful in this past year uh, to be able to see Seth and Herman. Um, but we usually try and have a, a few visits a year with um, with David Gilbert in New York State. Uh, so, you know, we um, are able to chat with him about his ideas. He's just prolific writer, wonderfully insightful, so passionate about um, social justice in the world and, uh, you know, so connected to, to the day-to-day -day happenings that he's just wonderful to talk to. You know, so we had a very lucky visit uh, this past year where we got to see him all at the same time. And so we had just one of those really perfect kind of days where you eat junk food and mm -hmm. chat about life and, you know, plan for the calendar and do all the things that you want to do with the comrades that you're organizing with, you know, but in person together. And we really treasure those moments. We don't even get to see each other in person very often, as Daniel said, uh, as outside members. So to all be in one place at one time, it's pretty celebratory despite the grim surroundings. So, mm. you know, we just, we love when we have those opportunities. Also, I'll say that last year was an interesting one in that, um, you know, without getting into the details, uh, we, we, we had uh, sort of a lot of back and forth regarding some of our pieces that we printed with, with, um, with David uh, in the months afterwards, just based on sort of like, uh, you know, like friendly criticism regarding the article and, the, and, and the, the points that were raised. And it was, it was interesting because most of the time things have been very, you know, copacetic, but there were times where we just, you know, essentially disagreed on some level about mostly about emphasis. Mm -hmm. uh, but I thought that was healthy. And I think that's, that's, you know, these are people, you know, these are people with different opinions and we don't valorize our comrades. And so, you know, it was, it was, uh, I would say, I don't know. It went on. It went on for quite some time, and it was sort of, uh, you know, sort of an agree to disagree perspective. I mean, nobody felt the need to, you know, um, you know, wasn't the sort of situation that people were like, "I'm leaving the project over this." It was more just, just differences in perspective. Some, some of which is generational, and some of which um, appear to just be a matter of emphasis. Um, mm -hmm. But that I found that interesting, and and sort of. I was okay with it because I think like, you know, we're, we're, they are, you know, both, both of the editors are elders, but um, we certainly don't, you know, we, we see each other as people that we can talk to freely, you know? So it was, it was, uh, it was invigorating to say the least, I guess, to have that difference of opinion. <laughs> yeah. 
That is, a, that is a great example too, because that one cracks me up just in terms of our general process. Honestly, we had so many respectful and long and detailed letters back and forth being like, I disagree about this. Here's why X, Y, Z. And, you know, it went on for some time. And we, as you said, kind of just got to a point where we were like fine with where it was at. Basically, the second that we could spend a little bit of time in person, it was so easy to talk through the issues. <laughs> it was like the yeah, stuff right. that you can't, you can't do through these other communication methods. You know, and, uh, David laughed about it. You know, he said it's been... 18 years since we had a disagreement i guess we can get away with this one but <laughs> thank goodness right and, and it's funny because sometimes there's topics you know we've definitely you know uh you know for instance kim you mentioned the art by micah bazant yeah the sex workers and we we published that with a um with an article uh, by by an imprisoned sex worker named Alicia walker and also um you know, information about this new, at the time, then a brand new law named SESTA uh, or FOSTA. And it was regarding like cracking down on sex workers and their use of the internet. And, you know, like I honestly, I didn't worry about the editors. I was, I was worried about some of the, the older members uh, or older people that buy our calendar. I, would, I really, truly thought that we would see a generational split here with sort of, you know, perhaps an adherence to like a, a bit of a, I don't want to say, well, okay, outdated, you know, ideas on feminism regarding sex workers or, yeah. you know, I don't think that we have a lot of swerfs that buy the calendar, but I, I was concerned we were going to get some weird conservative pushback. And I say conservative loosely. I mean, yeah, yeah. amongst the radical left, but, you know, and that <laughs> ended up being not a, not a word from anyone. And then the thing hmm. that we were like kind of laughing that we had this conversation about was such a to me a no-brainer so it was really kind of funny how we put the stuff out there you don't always know how it's going to be accepted totally yeah it's tr trust really plays into that too you know I, I feel like we have to trust each other and there's so many editorial decisions we have to make along the way where maybe it isn't what the other person would have done but you kind of have to guess you have as many conversations as you can and at a certain point it would take us five years to make a calendar if we actually had time to talk about every single piece of content. So, you know, we we spend as much time as we can getting to know and trust each other and we go from there. Fantastic. Um, while we're talking about, obviously, the the artwork, I'd like to ask uh, each of you, what, uh, what are some of your favorite pieces in the calendars that you've been working on? What are the ones that stand out to you? That's a great question. That is so hard. And, and, I, and there's, you, yeah, there's you know, so Josh. many things. To, sorry. Yeah, there's just so many images, you know, 12 a year for 19 years. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not going to do that math. But, <laughs> uh, I think what really sticks out to me is um, I, I tend to, I guess, go directly towards the political prisoner artwork sometimes, uh, or I guess I should not specify, but the prisoner artwork. Um, in the new 2020 uh, calendar, the piece by Oso Blanco, I think is really amazing, as well as um, the Richard Rivera self-portrait, I think is great. But yeah, there are so many. Well, for this year, I, I, I would say, um, I really I really love the portrait of Marilyn Buck, uh, which is for July, 2020. It's mm -hmm. done by a man named Garen Sakarian, um, who is at USP McCreary. Uh, and it's beautiful, and it's really just spot on, and it really captures Marilyn's uh, 
Marilyn's eyes and her heart in a, a way that I, I really, I really love. Um, I also am a big fan of the uh, cover art by Mary Tremonte. Um, you might notice that often what we do for our covers, we take a detail of the image. And so, you know, it's uh, the cover is always a detail of a larger image. And so if you, you know, you guys see it, I believe it's in um, January, January 2020, there's a beautiful one mm-hmm. called Building Confidence, Building Power. Um, it's of uh, three different people that are screen printing. Um, and it's it's really beautiful. It's pink and tan. And yeah, I like it a lot. Um, the articles this year, I think, are really uh, strong. I'm trying to think of which ones stand out for me. Um, I don't have an answer for that one. Uh, I was really, I, I am essentially the de facto art editor, which is hilarious because I'm not an artist, but I'm really good at administrative stuff and bugging <laughs> people on email. Everyone can attest to that. Um, oh, so that's your uh, skill set. You just you just need a resume that says bugging people on email. Bothering bothering people on email until they essentially concede to my demands, it seems to be. Um, I am a big fan of the No New Jails article, which is for December 2020. And I love that because it's I feel it's super cutting edge. And No New Jails is an amazing campaign that has been uh, just fighting the the New York City bureaucracy and their quest to basically build more jails and some aspects of the left that seem to be okay with the new jails being built, which I have to say is pretty, pretty sad. Uh, I love Tom Manning's art. He was an anti-imperialist political prisoner, uh, unfortunately died this past year due to medical neglect in prison after many years. He was a just absolutely generous and brilliant contributor to the calendar over the years and many other projects. Uh, he has the official reigning title of the person we featured on the cover most uh, over the years. And, you know, we, we were happy to be able to honor him at the same time as being oh, very sad to lose him this past year. So uh, I think even more so than ever, we were just really, really happy to have a gorgeous piece of art by him as well. What are your favorite uh, pieces of art? From, uh, well, you oh, guys from haven't seen 2020, I, I haven't seen the 2020 one yet, but I do have my my 2019 one. Let me go through it. Uh, you know, I really like the um, the No Mas Muertes one. Um, you know, No More Deaths is an organization that I've followed for a while uh, and done some reporting on over the years. Um, and uh, I just I love I just love that illustration. Um, and I think it's really powerful, uh, just for people who, obviously this is a podcast, so I can't show it to you. Um, but I encourage you to seek out this calendar and just to see some of this art. Um, it says no mas muertes and it's a, it's a drawing of the desert with, um, you know, water, uh, jugs that are sitting out and some fruit. And it says, for I was thirsty and you gave me a drink for I was a stranger and you welcomed me. Um, and I don't know, it kind of looks like a, like a woodcut or an engraving. And I just think it's beautiful. That's a beautiful one. That's by Fernando Marti. Um, and his, he actually sells that image on just seeds. He's one of the just seeds artists We're um, we're also lucky enough to have his art in this year's calendar as well, which is amazing. Nice. Uh, I think it feels especially time, you know, interesting because the jury in the Scott Warren case in no, uh, no more deaths just went to deliberation earlier today so i'm I'm glad you brought that up well i'm looking at the um images for the 2020 calendar and um 
I mean, you mentioned the the cover one by Mary Tremonte. Um, that I was drawn to that one like immediately because of the colors and like the very restricted palette, um, which is something that I that I appreciate more now um, as as I've seen my own work evolve. So really looking for you know those kinds of things, um, and it, it just made me think so much of how images are such an important part of movement work and creating those images. But I also like the fact that it was being created by women. Uh, and, you know, it's uh, two of the women are veiled. Um, so I thought that that was also really powerful uh, in terms of, you know, the the entire composition i think it's it's really beautiful um yeah that's i you know right up there i also like the one at the bottom um by richard rivera and uh that's oh my god great. yeah and it reminds me of a very famous painting by an artist who I'm forgetting, and I, I think you know who it is. Um, Chuck, Chuck Close. Close. Yeah. Is that, okay. Um, but it, it's just, it's stunning. It's absolutely stunning. And it looks like, you know, um, the, the watercolor in the background, like really the way it bleeds into, the colors bleed into each other. And then you see this image. But when you look more closely, it's like, you, it's is he behind a window you know and it's like and what is all this what are all these colors you know behind there um you know and it's like i don't know if it's meant to be like he's in a cell um and he's looking out of his cell window um so you know so i like the way that the image plays with you know with the abstract and is you really have to look at it closely so from far away you get to see one thing but um yeah i mean it's for folks that are struggling with my very poor description of uh of this <laughs> image i suggest that you go on a certain date.org website and click on images and articles and you can find the images uh for the 2020 calendar as well as the ones for the 2019 2018 um calendars there as well and uh yeah you'll get to enjoy what we're talking about as well yeah and, and, uh, uh, while so you're there sorry i was going to say also check out the 2020 extras uh as well as the extras from previous years there there's a lot of artwork as well as essays that we can't include because of the graphic content um that would preclude them from getting into prisons mm -hmm. so it's definitely worth checking out the extras um you know even if those inside can't see them it's interesting you mentioned the Richard Rivera because that's a person that was inside when he submitted it and he was since paroled. So we're really happy to have Richard on the oh, fantastic. Amazing. 38 years. Yeah, really great. Yeah, I absolutely love the calendar. I get comments on it all the time when people come over my place. Um, and I like to take it down and like let them actually read it because it's not just like, oh, it's a calendar like we've been talking about. Um, uh, you know, we're running up on time. I do have one question. We've talked about it a little bit. Maybe there's not much more that you have to say or want to say about it. Um, but I figured I would ask, and you know, we can always cut it out if it doesn't work. But um, 
you know, you've alluded to a couple times some of the struggles of communicating with people on the inside, some of the mailroom issues that you have. And I wondered if you could just address that a little bit and talk about, you know, some of the things that you run up against. You talked about like people who want to submit graphic work and having, um, you know, having to sort of contend with whether or not you can get that inside. And uh, I just I was curious to hear your thoughts on, on working on that side of things. I think it's a really good question and, uh, you know, one that a lot of people don't realize is one of the biggest challenges is, you know, communication with people inside. You you go to prison or jail and, you know, at that point, it's kind of just you're at the mercy of these arbitrary systems in terms of what information you can get out, in terms of how you can express yourself, even trying to figure out what the rules are day to day are so are complicated and changing all the time. Uh, even if you follow them, sometimes things get rejected. So I, I wonder, Daniel, you have this like very firsthand experience of it. If you want to share any of that, I, I mean, we definitely know what it feels like from our side. Well, I, I will say like uh, two things stand out recently. I mean, obviously we were talking about, you know, I, I just looked at the list and we have 10 calendars that were rejected um, from prison so far. I mean, one of those people were paroled. So that's, that's really great to hear, but most of them were, just really bullshit reasons. Uh, so there's that, obviously. And and like I said, some of that is like, we're technically not a calendar, or they've just decided that they're going to reject us mostly for content, but they're not going to say it's for content. So that that's very frustrating. Mm-hmm. Um, the two stories that stand out to my mind so far is uh, we got a submission this year by Sean Swain, who's a, a political a politicized prisoner that's, uh, I believe he's currently being held in Virginia, but he's mm-hmm. his case is out of Ohio. They've sort of sent him on an interstate compact as they do with people that buck. Um, and I say that in the most positive way possible. I mean, Sean is just a thorn in the side of the Ohio prison system, and I, I have mad respect for him. But, um, you know, he wrote a pretty raucous article that, you know, we, I'll say I love, I think we lo- we all loved it, but where we just knew that by putting it in there, um, that any any of these mailroom um, sensors that were to look at it would result in like pretty much mass denial. Um, we certainly did, you know, or worse, to be honest. And so we just kind of made the collective decision to not run that for that reason, because ultimately we want to we don't want to send out a sanitized version, but we really do want people to see it. That is the point. Right. Uh, and and mm-hmm. cutting out the hundreds of people that get our calendar in prison uh, because of the inclusion on principle to me would seem wrong. The other thing that happened that was really deeply annoying was um, because of the, the slowness of communications. I mean, Sarah alluded to it. You know, when I was in prison, I was I was sent for most of my sentence to a communication management unit, which meant that uh, bureaucrats in the uh, either FBI or Department of Homeland Security uh, had a little counter terrorist unit in, in Virginia. And uh, they received scans of all of my mail. So my mail would come to the institution. It would be scanned, sent to these so-called intelligence analysts. And then they would release it bit by bit to me. And so it was always really frustrating to get like to get letters like weeks after and to never get certain things and for them to just dis- decide that uh, they were going to reject a whole lot of publications um, on paper. But then they would just th- throw some things away. Um, I remember 
in particular, you know, when, when you're talking about like international mail, you have this situation where you don't even know if it's customs, if the person didn't put the correct postage, is it the, the counter terrorist unit? Is it the, the internal detectives at the prison? I mean, it could be anyone. And that used to frustrate me to no end. Uh, so when we were communicating with Jeremy Hammond last year, uh, Sarah, I don't know if you remember this, but we ended up not getting his piece of art on time. Um, because basically it just kept getting rejected or we couldn't get it from him and we finally got it and it was well past the time that we could have actually printed it i mean we were like weeks into the process by which we already picked art and it was really frustrating and so we use that image a lot because it was made specifically for us and it's really wonderful but you know we use it on our social media and like i would have of course loved to have printed that had we gotten it in time but basically the the internal detectives at that prison, I forget which one he was at, but they just decided that they were going to make it as frustrating as possible for us. Um, so there's often that there's the waiting game. Hey, have you heard back from, or, you know, we, uh, when we were communicating this year with Jan Lamond, we were faced with the prospect that the prison he was at, USB McCreary was always on lockdown. So one of the last things we got this year were the bios for, for Jan and Garen because of the fact that he wasn't ever able to call anyone to give the bio. So there's a lot of that. There's a lot of patience and there's a lot of last minute shuffling. There's oftentimes we will reach out, you know, some of the people we communicated with in prison. We have sort of like shepherds that are doing most of the, they're already in contact with people and they sort of shepherd the contribution. So we have that going on with a few people and that's, of course, adds another layer. Um, I mean, of course, I, it'd be I much love better that term that you came up with. Like, it's I really necessary. Those people are super helpful. I mean, they have helped so much in getting us stuff. And it's like, you know, if people are already in contact with people on the inside through, you know, one of the many lecherous, you know, email systems, then, you know, sometimes it's easy to just do it that way. You know, like, hey, we need this bio. And sure enough, you know, someone can email uh, a person on the inside. But yeah, the, the flexibility is the, the biggest part. The fact that we can't call people, the fact that we can't just email people all the time. Uh, the fact that, for instance, like if I wanted to set up core links, with someone in the federal prison system, I could end up easily being rejected just because mm -hmm. I was a former person in prison in the federal system. So it's a lot of flexibility, I would say. Yeah, and a lot of, as you said, I, this term, I just love shepherds, the idea that, you know, people's family members, people's friends, other people they're connected with help us make this project happen. We could absolutely not do it without that enormous network of people who are willing to, to support this strange path of communication we have to take sometimes yeah so i guess before we let you go and we really appreciate you know you, you all taking the time to talk to us about your work um and it really is tremendous work that you're doing uh we wanted to give you some space to talk about you know any final things and you know let people know where they can find the calendar and learn more about your work and any you know final details like that and then you know i was wondering if we could just kind of go around and say a few words about what abolition means to you personally. Sure. Well, there's there's definitely one part that we wanted to talk about, which was the fact that, you know, in addition to being this pretty counter project, our, our project also exists as like a fundraiser. And so what we end up doing is that once we are able to pay the printer and pay ourselves back for postage, which is, you know, considerable, um, our proceeds are divided um, amongst different social justice and radical organizations. Um, our permanent uh, beneficiaries at the moment are release aging people in prison or RAP in New York City and Adamir, which is a, a 
a political prisoner organization in, in Palestine. Um, last year, we gave money to Women uh, Working Within, which is a, a group that of midwives and doulas in, the, in Nova Scotia um, who work with people inside, uh, with women inside. And we were also able to put aside a little bit of money for a contingency fund, which we use to make donations to uh, release funds of, of some of the people that have come out in the last year, like Herman Bell and Robert Seth Hayes and all the, the five people from the MOVE organization, mm -hmm. um, Connor Stevens of the Cleveland Four. Um, and the cool thing is that the last couple of years, we've been able to pay the printer up front, which is amazing. So no one has to, uh, we don't have to split it amongst three credit cards and, and no one has to go into debt. Um, and so the counter has always been a fundraiser. And so throughout the years, we've given to groups like the Amistad Law Project, uh, the Abolitionist Law Center, the Unistotin uh, Indigenous Blockade, Freedom Archives, for Struggle Magazine, and, and a whole bunch of other organizations. So we feel like that's a really good, um, you know, use of the calendar in addition to it being, you know, a, a beautiful calendar full of dates. Um, and I guess in, in terms of, you know, finding us online, we're at certaindays.org. We're on Facebook at Certain Days, and you can search for us on Twitter and Instagram as well. We sort of uh, post a lot about how to get the calendar, uh, information about political prisoners and the prison struggle. And we also um, post radical dates often. So you can definitely find us there easily. And uh, also check out our monthly column on It's Going Down. It's called Prison Break. Uh, and it usually comes out at the beginning of every month. It's a recap of anything related to political prisoners and abolition uh, in the last month. And, uh, and I look forward to things happening in the month ahead. Awesome. And we'll definitely link to everything uh, in the description there. Did anybody want to, did anybody want to go around and, and share what abolition means to them? Uh, I can go first. I, I, I guess I'm initial or, uh, usually kind of drawn to the Asada, um, quote, which is actually part of the December artwork in the 2020 calendar. Um, a wall is just a wall and nothing more at all. It can be broken down. And I think that kind of sums it up for me at least, at least um you know it's just about tearing down these oppressive um systems and and replacing them with something more humane i guess I'll, yeah i'll say that i have a deep disdain for for prisons um after experiencing it um you know i prior to my time in prison i was an activist and i did a lot of work in the environmental movement and then in prisoner movements but um there's nothing like personal experience for you to have just a deep-seated you know, disdain and hatred of the prison system. And I want to believe that at some point, I don't have any children, but I want to believe that at some point my uh, my sister's children or their children will look back in the same way that we, you know, currently look back at institutions like slavery and that people will look and be like, we actually put people in cages for their lifetime. Like that's, that's lunacy. And I hope that at one point we... Uh, push forth like a true abolitionist culture change that, um, you know, in my lifetime sees it as like absolutely insane to do the things that we do to treat people as throwaway. So I know it's complicated and you don't get from he here to there, but you also don't get to where we want to get by, by looking at like piecemeal reforms. And I think we constantly have to be pushing the envelope on, on abolition. I uh, I think it's super important to let our friends inside know that they're not forgotten and that we're here to fight for them. We are working to build a better society 
outside every day that is not going to include prisons in any form. We don't want these walls to exist. Uh, I think in the meantime, the work that we do day to day on you know big international projects like this and locally uh, makes such a difference. You know, here in Canada, I'm involved in uh, a group called the Barton Prisoner Solidarity Project in Hamilton. And we are reaching out to families and, and local community members who are in jail every day, uh, you know, to let them know that we're here for them and, you know, that we're going to keep fighting for the living and remembering the people that we've lost and making sure that they hear us across these walls. Thank you three so much, uh, Thank you. Sarah, Josh and Daniel. I really appreciate you coming on and talking to us and for all the work that you're doing. So, you know, keep up the good work and, and definitely keep in touch. Thank, Thank you. Your Thank podcast you. Thank is- you so much. Yeah.